2: This episode of Financial Safari is brought to you by Kevin Frisbee and Frisbee and Associates. For all your retirement needs.
1: Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Peter J. Deruda or his guests are liable for the usage of information discussed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.
2: Coming up on today's show, retirement can last for decades, and the different stages of retirement come with their own expenses and budgeting. We'll tackle the four phases of retirement and how
3: to budget for them. Hi, this is Coach Pete, and if you've got questions on how to properly structure your assets and build retirement income, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Financial Safari.
0: Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Financial Safari. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And of course, in studio with me, as always, is Kevin Frisbee. He's author of a great little book called Every Dime, Every Day, president of Frisbee and Associates, and so much more. Hey, Kev, how's it going?
2: Hey, great, Steve. How are you doing today?
0: Very, very well, thanks. And uh, so this will be fun. I mean, we've talked about these things probably at different times, but I thought it might be fun to just put them all together and talk about the stages of retirement because, I, you know, time goes by so darn fast. <laughs> you know, we're already in the middle of July and... Yeah.
2: So. yeah, it's it, it's amazing, right? And this is a good subject, too, because I bring this up in, in a lot of our conversations, Steve, with clients, meaning budgeting in retirement. People think, I don't want to budget when I get retired. But at the end of the day, it's helpful to know. You don't have to write everything down like I talk about in my book, but it's helpful to know where you're at and how much it costs to live. So that way we can kind of build that model and figure out how much you need to do for withdrawals from your retirement accounts and and set that up so we can kind of put you on autopilot.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, you know, we talk about the stages in, in pre-retirement. We'll start there and and that becomes that financial red zone that we like to talk about that, that you point out is that 10 years or so before retirement, uh, just to kind of put the put a bow on what you've been doing your whole life.
2: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's tougher to put a bow on it at that point. I like to think that we can, when somebody gets to be at retirement point, we can put a bow on okay. it. and Okay, so of, so we're just tying it now. Way. We're tying it we're right tying now, right? <laughs> so when you look at that time period, fifty to sixty-two years old, really is that time period where you're close. You're you, you might be thinking about retirement. You know, if you're thinking about early retirement, what does that look like? And then what do you need to do to set yourself up? And when you look at uh, the phases of of putting a budget together. Paying down debts is a big deal at this point for me, t- trying to you know figure out with people how much you have left on a mortgage. If we can eliminate as much as we can of the mortgage, let's try to do that because as you know, I'm going to get out of that guy. Mm-hmm. It, it's all about, it, there's two schools of thought here, Steve, when, when you look at people having a mortgage. You either A, can pay it off and yeah, you might have a low interest rate, but you don't have to contend with that, that uh, payment every single month. But then you might have a low interest rate, but there's no real guarantee that your retirement money is going to make money in the market, let's say, if you have investments. So you, you, historically, yes, but th- let's let's look at the trade-off. I'm more of a peace of mind guy and saying, hey, if you don't have that payment, you don't need to withdraw as much from your retirement accounts to make up for the, the, the payments you might have on a mortgage and some other debts. And if we can't eliminate the mortgage, certainly I'm going to try to f- help you focus on getting out of debt with the other things. And God forbid you get credit card debts carrying that on the retirement. Um, that's, that's kind of one of the worst things you want to look at having, uh, coming into retirement. If we can eliminate that, maybe eliminate the car payments. If you've got any car payments, um, I actually, and I'm going to say student loans, believe it or not, I've seen some people that not because of them, but they've helped their kids pay student loans. And now they're coming up to retirement themselves. And now they're dealing with some of the student loan debt that they've helped their kids with. So. It becomes a different dynamic in this world today. That uh, you know, you 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 might have uh, a parent you're taking care of that you might have have to help them with paying some of the bills because they only have a fixed income with Social Security. So now you've got to contend with that building in, into your budget. So there's a lot to look at at this point in retirement, that pre-retirement zone, sure, and making sure that you're going to set yourself up, but also consider all the other factors that could come into play here.
0: But isn't that pre-retirement, uh, that's the fun time where you can say, okay, I, I, here's my bucket list, let's budget for that.
2: It, well, yes, it should be. And uh, it, it is for some people, Steve, but it's, it's become a problem time period because, again, one of the biggest things that I just mentioned that people didn't think about when they started into working years and put money away for that bucket list time period, like you just said, mm-hmm. is taking care of a parent or both parents. Or an elderly family member that can't handle the their, their life on their own anymore. They need just assistance, that, that type of thing. I can't tell you how many clients I have that you know have have worked all their lives and been successful in saving for themselves, but now can't travel because mom's 85 or 90 years old and they need to be around to watch mom because mom can't do everything that mom could do uh, before. Right. And so, you know, again, I have these conversations day in and day out. So it it can be great for some people where they don't have um, the, the the family members, they, they, they feel compelled to take care of and help take care of. um, So they can go enjoy those time periods. And then, you know, if, if mom finally passes away at some point, now you've, you've got the time period, hopefully you're not too old to be able to go enjoy, uh, some well, of the things you wanted to do and, and, uh, off your bucket list.
0: Well, yeah. Like we call it the go-go years. you've certainly used that expression before and as uh, 62 to 70 thereabouts. And, 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 again, that's the time where you could end up spending more in, you know, for, in retirement than you are going to maybe later on.
2: And, and you know what, if that's the case and you're right, you 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 tend to spend more money here because you have hopefully some youth still available, you know, part of your life and you have some, some, some health. Um, and you've got a little bit more money because now you've hopefully saved up over those years and and done, done your work and now gotten done that, that time period, I tell people all the time, Steve, in my conversations from my vantage point, I've had many clients, uh, pass away every single year because most of my clients are above 60 and that's just the the kind of nature of the the business, I guess. But I've seen, you know, clients pass away in their fifties in 55, 60 years old, 65 years old, finally just retire. And all of a sudden they're gone because all, an accident happened. I had a client last year, fall down a, a flight of stairs and, and she broke her neck and all of a sudden she's gone. Point being is you don't know what could happen in this life and you don't know we don't have tomorrow promise to us. right? And so my message to people all the time is younger and healthier. And by, me, by saying those two words, Meaning, if you have the means and you have the ability to retire when you're younger, when you have the health, hopefully, do it because you don't know what tomorrow, tomorrow brings and you don't want to have to... My, and from personal experience, I've told this story before in the show. My grandfather was a district sales manager for Gillette, very successful, run the southeast of the United States for all of Gillette Corporation. And so he retired successfully at 62 years old and six months later had a massive heart attack and oh. he was gone. And so I look at that and he had a dream of buying a, they bought a fifth wheel. My grandmother's still alive today. She's 90 years old down in Memphis, Tennessee, still still alive and still healthy. But I remember back when I was younger and watching him and they had bought a fifth wheel and they were going to travel the country and that was going to be their dream when he retired. And all of a sudden it did not happen.
0: Yeah, wow.
2: Boy, could thanks. he be retired? Yeah, my point is, could he have retired earlier? Probably. Did he want to go to 62? Sure. So that was the time period he was going to collect his social security. But, but point being is, you don't know what tomorrow holds, so yeah, if you really have don't. the means, don't push it too far. Try to try to get to that retirement point if you've got the means to be able to do it. And enjoy whatever time you might have available.
0: So then we've got sort of the slow go years that between seventy and eighty, a lot happens. I mean, not just you know from a time standpoint, but I think from a physical standpoint, from a mental stuff, a lot of things change between seventy and eighty, huh? It, it can,
2: and the, the early part to to. It's, I see a change in a little bit in our, you know, people live in longer, Steve. So I call it the, not the slow go, but the slower go, slow down. Um, So, because I I have some clients, I remember she's passed away now, but I had this client in Winslow and she was 86 years old. I'll never forget it. I I love this type of story. She was 86 years old and went and bought herself a brand new convertible. And I thought, (laughs) how fun is that? You know, I mean, she's, she's going to have some fun going to kick it. And uh, at 86, so. If again, the mental capacity obviously is a big deal. The physical capacity is a big deal and having the health to be able to do fun things like that. If you can have that longer, great. But people do for the most part tend to slow down uh, and have a slower pace and not have as much travel, let's say, or not have as much activity. So they might not spend as much money either. So when you do the planning, as far as retirement planning and money goes, you look at the early retirement, what we just talked about and, 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 obviously you set yourself up where you're probably going to use more money to be able to do things because you've got the ability. And then you're going to probably use less money to do fun things or travel around or whatever that might be in the slower go years from 70 to 80.
0: Sure. And then when you got to 80 and up, and and I know, you know, it's amazing to to see people, I mean, 85, 88, they're still out and about and walking and driving and doing all that stuff.
2: You know, it can change quick though. Well, I just yeah. mentioned my, my gram, she's 90. She's going to be 91 this year. And it was uh, until she was about 88 years old, she was driving around by herself all over the place, and uh, and then it got to a point where it just couldn't happen, and now she's in an assisted living because she got drastic. It went down fast where she couldn't be on her own anymore, so now it's, in her case, it's the no-go years, unfortunately, but she was able to get to 90 before that happened, so that that's a good thing because she sure. beat the odds. Yeah. You know, most people have a life expectancy of about 84, 85 these days. So to even go that far and have some quality of life, she was able to do that.
0: So how do you see things, the difference in people between, say, 70 and, and 80 or even 75 and 85, say? What I mean, what are the changes? Well, I,
2: changes become, um, and I think even earlier, they, they prioritize and, and find it more important to spend time with family. And, and kids and grandkids and sometimes great grandkids in that case uh, at that age. And uh, priority time is, uh, you know, what people focus on is staying healthy. Um, you know, they, they might have had health issues. To, you know, everybody's got, uh, it seems everybody's got uh, new knees and new hips and all <laughs> kinds of new things these days. So, you know, it, it has helped people sustain a better lifestyle in some cases getting into the 80s. But some people have uh, other things that they have issues with. And again, it just slows down the pace, um, changes your priorities. Uh, People might not be traveling as much, so they're going to do the the staycations and spend more quality time at home, I think.
0: Well, again, no matter what stage you're at, folks, I mean, now would be a great time to give Kevin a call and and go through that plan or, or maybe put one together for the first time. Sounds great, Steve. For the next 10 callers who will call in today... Hey, folks, don't miss this opportunity to sit down with Kevin and, and put a financial roadmap together. He can help translate a lot of complex financial world from Social Security claiming to, you know, maybe doing a Roth conversion if it makes sense. It is a chance for you to get that true practical financial review, and it's a phone call away, 800-998-5649. You're going to get that comprehensive financial review that Kevin just talked about, all the extras that go along with it too, and then when you walk out, you're going to have in your hand that road roadmap roadmap, that guide that's going to help get you to where you need to be and where you want to be when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649. Again, it's 800-998-5649.
2: You found the right advisor. So now what? When we come back, we'll highlight when you should talk to your advisor and why. When should
3: I take my social security? How much risk can I tolerate? I'm afraid I'm overpaid
0: Celebrity Success
4: Stories. You can't really make a self-respecting famous entrepreneur list without throwing in the name of Steve Jobs. The late Jobs dropped out of college because his family really couldn't handle the financial burden of his education. He unofficially continued to audit classes, living off of free meals from the local Hare Krishna temple, and he returned Coke bottles for change just to get by. Isn't that incredible? Jobs is credited with calligraphy class uh, that he stopped in on and uh, was an inspiration for the Mac's revolutionary typefaces and font designs. So he went on to have an unbelievable career, eventually forming Apple Computer Company with childhood friend Steve Wozniak. The noted grandfather of the digital revolution, Jobs changed the consumer electronics industry forever. And at his death, Jobs' net worth was $8.3 billion. And his influence will live on for generations to come. Jobs is a great American successor.
0: We are back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin, of course, author of Every Dime Every Day. He's a fiduciary. Well, you're a whole fiduciary firm. I mean, your whole team. I mean, Jeff and, and Lance, you know, you guys are all stand-up guys, for, for lack of a better word.
2: We, we are. And, uh, you know, we felt that it was uh, critically important to take that stance as far as uh, how what type of advisor we became mm-hmm. and what, what our firm was going to do and, and uh, provide what kind of services for our clients. And when people understand what that means, uh, being a fiduciary firm and advisors, um, it's a big difference between, in fact, there's some squabbling right now in, in Washington on changing some of the fiduciary rule. Right. Um, I saw some And that. Yes, I've, I've, I'm following it because for us, it, it always made sense to to have to work in the best interest of our clients and want to as well. Uh, whereas a lot of advisors, brokers do not have that standard, and so we're proponents of that. And, and you know, again, there's a lot of a lot to be said about a fiduciary advisor. true. Sure. we could we'll cover that in another show. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot to talk about of now. Yes, yeah.
0: yes. But so in this segment, uh, it, it, you know, last time we talked about the various stages of retirement. So now we're going to talk a little bit about what to do or, you know, when you should talk to an advisor, when, when does it make sense? When does it make sense to begin that relationship? And, and for you guys at at Frisbee and associates, your focus is on that transition from the acquisition to the distribution and preservation.
2: That's true, Steve. So again, most of our clients being 55 years old or higher um, but I had a 21 year old uh, guy in my office just uh, a week or so ago. He was a daughter of one of my uh, one of my younger clients. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, son of one of my younger clients, and he was a sh- he's a chef, and so he was you know starting his career. And they sent him in to talk with me to get some advice on what to start doing and what to start looking at and how to put money away and, and where to put money that type of thing. So when you get your first job, yeah, yeah, yeah that's probably a good time. Uh, we. We can have those conversations with people and kind of guide people along. I would tell you first, if you're just starting out, call us up. I'm going to give a copy of my book. And that's, yeah. that's a great starting point. Read my book. I talk about saving, budgeting, putting money away, where to put it, that type of thing. Right. Um, but other life events uh, that you know we'll talk about here, other life events is when people should reach out to an advisor. And another one, unfortunately, and it's, and it's more so these days uh, than I've seen in the past, where people in their 60s are getting divorced. So if you're getting married or divorced, that's another time you want to seek pr- a professional and, and sit down and talk about your finances to make sure that, you know, how is it going to affect you or what's, what's it going to affect and, and things you should be thinking about and looking at.
0: Right. Well, and again, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go back to like when you get your first job, but you talk about a young person and I've talked about my son before and, and his wife, they're both 27 and uh, they, <laughs> they read your book. And then I asked you, I said, should they look at an advisor? You gave me a recommendation of a, of a, um, uh, Uh, a nonprofit group that that has advisors, they reached out to one of them and now they both have Roths.
2: (laughs) See, I mean, and that point there is number one, they found probably the right advisor because the fact that they're younger, right? 27 years old. I'm certainly going to bring in a Roth conversation in in that every single time because that's decades that they have for potential growth and tax-free growth. So good. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's keep going. Oh, and then, you know, when when one spouse dies, I mean, that's just, that, chances are, I mean, not chance, it's probably going to happen, huh?
2: Yeah, li- uh, I can tell you right now, I, you know, I can look back in the conversations I've had and the tears that we've shed in our offices with people that pass away and their clients that, that you know, we've established great relationships with some of these people. And from the beginning, I tell my clients, listen, if, if they're married, particularly, if something happens to one of you, you're gonna be. I'm gonna be one of the first calls you're gonna make because you're gonna be leaning on me. I'm gonna be guiding you and walking you through this. Right. And again, that's that's part of what we do. And don't feel bad about doing that. Call me up and, and we're gonna help you. And if if you're not married and you have beneficiaries listed on your accounts, also you know your kids and grandkids or whoever your beneficiaries are are gonna get to know me because they're gonna to need to call me and and kind of sift through this and figure out what your intent was and where things should go. But when a spouse passes away, it's a critical time and. And especially if you were the spouse, the surviving spouse and you didn't handle the money. That's that's a bigger problem a lot of times. And again, talking about my grandparents, my granddad was the guy that handled the money in the house. So my grandmother was really shocked, number one, that he passed away so young, but also shocked now she had to handle all the financial matters in the household. And so it's a it's a daunting thing to look at. So you want to have an advisor that you know that you can call up and say, Hey, you know, can, I, we need to talk about this. I need, I need some help to get through this. And sometimes again, these are delicate situations and conversations, Steve, that we, we help a lot of people with.
0: And, and that's, that's certainly important. And, and like you said, and I, I didn't think about this until actually we started working together and she and said that you were oftentimes one of the first calls when someone passes and it makes sense.
2: Yeah. I, again, it's. I'm, I'm honored to be in a position to be able to help so many people. And I just, uh, you know, I, I feel uh, like, wow you know, the fact that they're calling Kevin to, or, or one of the advisors here to to walk through such a delicate time, it's, uh, we don't take that lightly. It's, oh, yeah. uh, it's an amazing thing.
0: Well, let's, uh, you know, on another point, another area is getting that large sum of money. And that could be an inheritance, which is opens up a whole nother, uh, you know, you know, sort of world of things.
2: Yep, I, <laughs> here it, this is a funny, funny area right here. Number one, if, if and we have a lot of calls where people get inheritances or bonuses, or they have a a pension lump sum pension buyout option mm-hmm. or something like that. It's the that those are those are manageable, but it's the ones that call me up and say, "I got to sit down with you because um, you know dad's going to pass away someday, uh, but he's got this amount of money that I think he's going to leave us, you know, a certain amount." And I chuckle at that. Sometimes because I think, well, number one, Dad's not dead yet, um, and and secondly, you don't know how much you're going to get left because if Dad needs a nursing home, how much is he going to have left to be able to pass to you? So you right. can't count your chickens before they hatch, so to speak, right?
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: I, I I did have a great conversation with a couple though that in this case, Mom was ninety uh, something odd years old, healthy, but uh, you know, and and still going strong, but she had a pretty sizable nest egg, and they were looking for some advice knowing that when mom did pass away, they were in in line for a substantial inheritance. So they were trying to get their ducks in a row to think, number one, they had to find an advisor that they wanted to work with, which is why they were calling me and interviewing me. Secondly is, what are those ideas that that advisor would bring to the table when mom did pass away? She might pass at 94 or she might pass at 104. Nobody knows, Mm -hmm. but they were hoping to get a relationship started so that when something did happen... Then they could have al- already that transition in place. So there's there's two parts of that. It, you know, if you're trying to set that up and, and lay that relationship out first, that's that's a that's a good reason to find out who's the advisor you're going to work with. But if you're trying to do it, assuming you're going to get some sort of lump sum of money when when mom or dad passes away, not knowing what could happen if mom or dad needed needed a nursing home, that's a different story. That's so, a
0: whole different story. And then you know you think about a lump sum of money. I mean, so lottery winners is that a possibility?
2: I've got three lottery winners at the clients. No nope good. Uh, yeah, I really do. So not large ones, but uh, you know they you know they come in and they they have a problem, and uh, whether it be a, a large scratch off ticket uh, that they inherited or n- not inherited, but uh, won a hundred thousand bucks, or somebody that won the Tri-State megabucks Bucks and they get a twenty-five year payout. So. Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's an issue, and it's a good problem, I guess, to have. I guess so. So, I, uh, yeah, it's, it happens. It's yeah. Somebody
0: wins. All right, fair enough. And then, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the last segment, too, but, uh, you know, the, that sandwich generation, baby boomers, a lot of folks that you talk to, I mean, got to take care of mom and dad. And, and you want to do everything you can, but it can be a bit of a problem.
2: Not just a big of a problem as far as taking care of them, you know, logistically in their home. Do they come in and and you you know you take care of them in your home if they need care like that what happens if they really need to go in a home uh, like a long term care facility a nursing home or an assisted living type of place and i know everybody's commentary steve is i'm never going go to go in a home I'm, I'm you know i'm going to take a long walk in the main woods on a cold winter day and you know that'll be the end of that well you can tell me that today but what happens if you have a massive stroke and all of a sudden you can't take that long walk into the woods yeah, yeah and all of a sudden you need to have the equipment in a nursing home you're going you're going in and so your intent might not to be go, to go in and, and to salvage your, your estate and your assets and not spend them down but it might not be the ideal situation once something if something happens.
0: Well and again, you've talked before about how you can protect those assets and and not have to use them to you know pay for long-term care in, in, in a situation like that.
2: Well, there's a couple of ways to look at this and I'm all for people paying their own way if they can afford it, if they sure. have the means. So, but my job as an advisor is to protect as much of the estate as I can protect and pass on to the next generation. So two schools of thought to look at this. Number one, we can set with an estate planning attorney that we have access to be able to get free consultations and sit down and say, what can we do legally to put maybe some sort of trust in place or some entity that we can reposition assets into the trust or whatever that entity might be, and get them protected from a main care nursing home type of event. That's one thing. Okay. Or secondly, we can look at some of the hybrid products that are, that are in, introduced to the market in the last five or six years that are insurance type products linked to life insurance or linked to an annuity that actually would pay for long-term care or help pay for long-term care purposes if something happens without having to go buy a traditional long-term care policy. So, or, or maybe doing a mix of both of those. So- are we going to have that conversation, Steve? Absolutely. Are we going to look at different angles to try to protect the estate from a, a nursing home type of event? For sure.
0: All right. Well, folks, if, if, if that's motivating for you to make that phone call, then why, why don't we have that happen and, and invite folks to call right now, Kevin? Sounds great, Steve. For the next 10
2: callers who will call in today, we're going to create a one-page financial review that will indicate if you're in need of a full-blown financial plan. This review is a $499 value.
0: Hey, folks, don't miss this opportunity to sit down with Kevin. I mean, some of the things that we've been talking about today, yes, uh, Kevin is there for you. He can explain it, kind of make some... Complex areas, very clear and easy to understand. Take advantage and take that true practical financial review. It just starts with a phone call, 800-998-5649. The next 10 callers are going to receive that comprehensive financial review that Kevin just described, plus all the extras, the portfolio MRI, the social security analysis, all of that, no cost, no obligation. And then when you walk out the door, you're going to have in your hand that roadmap that we talk about, that guide that's going to help get you to where you need to be. And where you want to be when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649. Again, 800-998-5649.
2: Like the game of whack-a-mole, you never know when or where fees will pop up. When we come back, we'll break down some common fees you can and should avoid in your retirement portfolio.
3: And now a Nightmare Retirement Consultation. Yeah, no pain, no gain, right? No risk, no reward, right? We're going all risk, see? We're going to put everything you got in the market. You're going to love it. Don't walk, run from that office and go to your future retirement partner with your best interest in mind with a retirement plan that includes income and protection, proper distribution of your assets so you can sleep well at night. That's Financial Safari's Kevin Frisbee, 800-998-5649, 800 998
4: The name Rockefeller is synonymous with the oil business and big money. John Dee was the country's first billionaire and was considered the wealthiest American of all time and the richest person in modern history. But it didn't start that way. He was born into a large family in upstate New York, and he was shaped by his conman father and religious mother. His family moved several times before eventually settling in Cleveland, Ohio, and Rockefeller became assistant bookkeeper at the age of 16 and then went into business partnership with Maurice B. Cook & Company and his brothers at the age of 20. Rockefeller formally founded the Standard Oil Company in 1870, and he ran it until 1897. As kerosene and gasoline grew in importance, Rockefeller's wealth soared as he became the richest person in the country, controlling 90% of the oil in the United States at its peak. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in 1911 that Standard Oil must be dismantled for violation of federal antitrust laws. It was broken up into 34 separate entities that included companies that would become ExxonMobil, Chevron, and others individual pieces of the company were worth more than the whole. And as shares of these doubled and tripled in value in their early years, Rockefeller became the country's first billionaire with a fortune worth nearly 2% of the national economy. His peak net worth in inflation-adjusted dollars was estimated at $336 billion in 1913. America's first billionaire was one of the reasons for the creation of the estate tax, which now took 70% upon his death. His heir still had a few bucks left, considering his estate was worth 24 billion inflation-adjusted dollars in the depths of the Great Depression. Rockefeller was also quite the philanthropist. As he was giving away millions of dollars over the course of his life, this generosity began with his first job when he was 16 when his diary shows that he donated 6% of his salary then to his church. The giving continued his entire life. He would give primarily to educational and public health causes, but also for basic science and the arts. He had health problems beginning in the 50s. Rockefeller ultimately died of arteriosclerosis on May 23, 1937, less than two months shy of his 98th birthday. Forbes Magazine reports that the Rockefellers are still worth an estimated $11 billion today. Another reason why it's vitally important to meet with a true financial coach who listens to your goals for retirement and legacy planning and can implement a total retirement income plan taking into account all necessary details.
0: We're back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And, of course, Kevin... Uh, we've been having a lively conversation, as they like to say. We talked about stages of retirement. We talked a lot about, you know, when to see an advisor. So now this is this is where you shine as well, Kevin. Is, is sitting down and looking at somebody's plan and figuring out where those hidden fees are, those termites, those financial termites. You know, I feel a little an- more
2: animated today, Steve, than some other weekends. I don't know why, but uh, I, I I get kind of amped up about this yeah. this conversation, some of these things because I'm I'm telling real life stories of some of these people and my grandparents and now talk about fees and you're bringing this up. I can tell you right now, I could rail the rest of the show about these (laughs) fees that people do not know that they're paying. And I've told a story many times of the couple that come into my brewer office and had an investment firm that's very prominent here in Maine and had a million dollars and said, yeah, I'm paying $10,000 in fees, which was accurate by the way. They were paying a 1% uh, management fee, but they didn't know they were paying another 1.5% in hidden fees in their portfolio. So instead of paying $10,000, you're paying $25,000. And I said, no wonder the guy in this case was sending you birthday cards and coming to your, <laughs> you know, sending gifts to your, your, your kids and all that kind of thing. Obviously, he, he was, you know, he was making a chunk of money. We're in the business to make money and help people. I, I understand that. But at the end of the day, if you can, as a client, keep more money in your pocket than pay an advisor group, why wouldn't you try to do that and, and get, in my view, better advice? Sure. So when you talk about fees, let's break this down. One of my biggest pet peeves is annuity fees. Are you kidding me? I've seen people come in, Steve, with variable annuities that are paying upwards of 4% a year. Most of them are between 3% and 4% in annual fees. And I don't care if you see it on your statement or not. I can prove it to you if you come to the office. We'll jump on the phone with the annuity company and get it right from the horse's mouth, so to speak. So it's not coming from your broker's mouth. We call the annuity company up, no matter who it is, and I ask a list of questions on speakerphone so that you can hear what exactly you're paying for an m mortality and expense fee. What are you paying for a death benefit rider fee? What are you paying for an income rider fee? What are you paying for your sub-account fees? What are you paying for an annual maintenance fee? Those are all fees collectively that add up, up to about three, three and a half, four 4% on a variable annuity. So Anything that we put out as an investment option to our clients, we disclose 100% what each and every fee might be. And so if it's put out there by a non-fiduciary broker advisor, it doesn't have to be disclosed. Sometimes if you look in the fine print of that contract, you'll find uh, some of those fees hidden in there. And again, if unless you know the right questions to ask, which is why I jump on the phone with the company when somebody comes in the office and they bring me a variable annuity statement, we're going to jump on the phone with the company and it takes five minutes to do. And we call and I ask those questions that I just laid out and then I write them down and, I, and I'm and i usually with my face down on the paper writing these down. And when I look up, the eyeballs are like saucers. They can't believe it. Nobody can believe that they're paying that kind of fee.
0: Sure. Well, and so you talk about accounts, and that's a word that before I started looking at this and listening to you and, and you know doing the research, that's a word that never came up. So <laughs> let's briefly explain what a subaccount is. Is this. A
2: sub-account is set up like a mutual fund portfolio within the variable annuity. So now you're paying the, uh, the insurance company, the annuity company, a fee to manage that, and then you're paying the fund fees, the investment fees, as the, what, what they call sub-accounts. Just, it's another word for mutual fund, basically. That's mm. that's the fee inside the, the investments. So again, when you wrap all of that together, you're paying... A, Several layers of fees, never mind all the bells and whistles you can add to these with additional fees. You're paying all these fees collectively adding up to about three to three and a half, four I've, I've seen one as high as four and a half.
0: Holy cow. Well, I don't like layers of fees. I don't think anybody does.
2: Neither do we. And <laughs> people come in, and they say, well, I, I, I think I'm paying this for fees. And a lot of people don't know. I'm starting to have conversations more and more with clients where before they leave after our reviews, I'm saying, by the way, what are you paying for fees with us? Mm-hmm. And- i am surprised at the look on people's face because they don't remember. And so I'm starting to go through that in every single appointment and saying, well, this is what you're paying for fee to educate people again, because they left that other broker advisor a lot of times because of the fees or because of the mismanagement or the no contact, or no service or, or stuff like that. I want to make sure that we're living up to being having the, everything in front. People know when they leave so that when they go home and they're sitting at the at the water cooler at work, or they talk with their friends around, uh, you know, uh, having a, a drink or something like that. Oh yeah, we we using you know Frisbee or Frisbee's group to, to manage our funds. Well, what do you pay for fees so that they know that you know what they can have is an intelligent conversation? We get a lot of referrals from that because now they know they're educated investors, they're educated people. They can have those intelligent conversations with their friends, and so now because they know their friends. Uh, ask that, and all of a sudden we we end up getting more more referrals to us.
0: And so let's continue on the line. You mentioned mutual funds, and then that what comes to mind is the twelve b one fee. And <laughs> and I know that that's something you can rail on as well.
2: It again, when you talk about mutual funds and investments, and and there's a lot of good mutual funds out there with with low cost. The American Funds have low cost, but still there's a lot of funds, including some of the American Funds that have twelve b one fees. A twelve b one fee is a cost of charge, a fee, that the mutual fund company is charging existing clients to pay for advertising to get new clients. That's what it is. And it's a, it's a fee added to the annual expense wow. of a mutual fund.
0: And they can get away with
2: it. They do. It's <laughs> part of the disclosure well, that I mean, I understand
0: that. I understand yeah. it's all, you know, on the up and up, but man. But it's just nice to know that with you, when you're sitting down with you and the team at, at Frisbee and Associates, you're fiduciaries. I mean, you're going to tell us, you talk about transparency, that's you. And it's not just because we're fiduciaries. It's just the
2: right thing to do. Well, bottom of yeah. Bottom <laughs> yeah. I, I, education, I tell people... You can make better decisions when you have better education and that's education by motivation is our, uh, our slide that we have on our, our seminar, uh, first part of the seminar. So by educating people better with better information, people can simply make better choices and we're just going to guide them along.
0: I like that education by motivation. That's, that's great. It is great. Yeah, absolutely. So again, we're talking about fees and, um, so, and again, we've had these conversations before about, uh, about your house and, and again, it's, it's. You know, maybe you spent your life there and your kids grew up there, but you have to make a decision on whether that makes sense to keep it in retirement.
2: Just had a client doing a review uh, here in Lewiston uh, a couple of days ago, and so she came in, brand new hip replacement. Great conversation, been a client for many years, and I love seeing some of my clients uh, over and over again. So she comes in, she just had her hip replaced a couple of weeks ago, and so good co- as far as money, great conversation. But then I say, well. What's going on? She's well, my she's got three sons. My sons have been two of my sons have been over helping me out and you know, take my laundry downstairs to the basement. And then I asked the question, Well, that's great. And you're only 72, 73 right now. What happens in your 80s? And in your home that you have, if your sons can help you every single day, what happens? Can you manage living in that home 10 or 15 years from now? You have to really start to think about that. And so in, in the case that I'll have conversation with people to come in, I ask people often, you know, do you plan on staying in your home? And if you do, can you stay there? Is it manageable? Can you keep up with the upkeep? Do you have 50 acres to mow? I mean, a, who knows? I mean, we have situations like that here in Maine. So you, you got to start thinking about that phase down the road if you need to transition at some point, when do you start to start to do that.
0: Sure. And and one thing we haven't even touched on, uh, and that's healthcare costs. And there are, those are fees that just pile one up top of the other. And that's just the cost of doing business. So yeah, you,
2: you've got your social security uh, cost of living adjustment every single year, and then you get your healthcare cost readjustment every year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually it wipes it out. Usually you're going to pay more for your Medicare and Medicare plans than you uh, have made for an increase in your social security. The, the problem is, the rising healthcare costs are going up by eight, nine, 10% increments per year, way above what you're getting for a, uh, a cost of living adjustment of, on, on your social security. So where do you start pulling that money from? And think if you're if you're 65 today and you live another 30 years, what are the costs of healthcare 30 years from now? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it, it's even scary to think about. So how do you prepare for that? How do you make sure you your money's managed in such a way you're minimizing risk, but you're also trying to grow it? to, to a point where you're going to keep up with that, uh, that inflation on healthcare costs and other things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, um, and we have to talk about inflation. That's a, that's a fee that you can't do much about, but you got to be ready for it.
2: You know what? The the cares act, a $6 trillion bill Oof. and people say, wait a minute. No, I thought it was two. No, it was six. They, they printed and, and made available right away, 2 trillion with a $4 trillion piggy bank that the federal reserve has sitting on to be able to implement into the economy I can't – you tell me, Steve, what your thoughts are, but I can't believe that inflation is going to not get rampant where you've, you're going to see cost of living go up. You, you, you see it now in a grocery store. You're going to start to see – unfortunately, people on fixed income are going to get hurt the worst because if they only have Social Security or a pension that isn't going up with the cost of, of inflation and the cost of goods and services, they're not going to be able to maintain lifestyle. That that's one of my biggest concerns with some people. But if you're not preparing for that, you got to start thinking about it. How do you prepare for inflation in, in the near future and then 30 years from now?
0: Well, and I think even with inflation, you know, you think about the last what 10 years or, or more that it's been almost non-existent. Certainly there incrementally, but like you said, boy, you go to the grocery store today and it's very different than it was even three or four months ago. And you say, you say non-existent, but the government doesn't
2: count what we spend most of our money on food. Housing, energy. Well,
0: we don't count that.
2: They don't count that in the inflation <laughs> equation. Good. So, how, how can you make an accurate number? So now they they tell us, yeah, inflation is running at about three percent, but we don't count food, energy, and and, uh, and housing. Well, th- that defeats the purpose, right? That's Seems what everything's like it to me. You know,
0: craziness. Exactly. <laughs> well, folks, if it, uh, if it's time to sort of rein it all in and, and put that plan together or get that second opinion, now is the time to give Kevin a call.
2: Now is the time, Steve, for the next ten callers who will call in today.
0: Hey, this is a great opportunity, folks. Don't let it slip by today. It's a chance to sit down with Kevin and the team at Frisbee and Associates and and, and begin to put together that financial roadmap. It's a chance to get that true, practical financial review. 800-998-5649 is how you get started. The next 10 callers get that comprehensive financial review. You see where you are today, yes, but most importantly, it does become a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be and where you want to be when it comes to retirement. 800-998-5649. Again, 800-998-5649. Time once again for questions from listeners. That and more
2: when we come right back.
3: This is such a blow to invest. Do it right now, breaking We're
0: market to open it takes courage to face up to things like volatile markets and Wall Street money traps. If you're worried, unsure, or losing sleep about your money, do something about it.
1: Call Kevin Frisbee at 800
0: 998 5649 Again, that's 800 998 5649
1: Celebrity Money Mistakes!
4: Adam Yauch, aka MCA, or Neanderthal Hornblower, is probably best known as the founding member of the Beastie Boys. He was also a film director and human rights activist. He was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. The Beastie Boys, a hip-hop trio, released their first album on Def Jam Records when Yauch was 22. The Beastie Boys sold 40 million records worldwide by 2010. In April 2012, the group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yoch was inducted in absentia because of illness. In 2009, he was diagnosed and unsuccessfully treated for a cancerous parotid gland and a lymph node. Yauch died at age 47. In May of 2012, he left behind a wife and daughter. In his last will and testament, the beastie boy scribbled a note on his will that prohibited the use of his music in commercials. But handwritten wishes on a will often lead to complications. The phrasing might not actually protect the work. His net worth was estimated at about $75 million at the time of his death. This is just another reason why it's vitally important to meet with a true financial coach who listens to your goals for investment and legacy planning and can implement a total retirement income plan, including assessing your will, your trust, powers of attorney, and reviewing all beneficiary designations.
0: We're back on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And uh, Kevin, of course, uh, he's a fiduciary, a, a author of uh, Every Dime Every Day, president of Frisbee and Associates. And uh, and I know uh, people are – and just because people ask me and, and – But you are the one who are missing the seminars, but I think a lot of folks are too. People enjoy coming and seeing you guys and getting the show, so to speak. They definitely
2: do. I know uh, we've had a lot of commentary asking when we're starting up our seminars again. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not tooting my own horn, but the feedback we get is we have the absolute best seminars across New England, across the state of Maine particularly, because we're educational. We don't sell anything. We're not, we're not, you know, coming, we come across as educators. You know, I'm, I'm going to do the host of the workshop. I'll typically have uh, uh, Lance Gilman, our retired lieutenant colonel, who's mm-hmm. one of our advisors here. He's a great speaker, very entertaining to watch. Um, and I could speak, but he does a better job than me. So <laughs> I, I'd rather watch Lance than myself up in front of the room. But we, we have a lot of fun with people that they come in. And we can kind of kick that back with estate planning attorneys. We rope into the the seminars to talk about legal planning and things that will affect a retiree potentially and things to to look for from main care planning, that type of thing. So I'm anxious to get back in the mix. And it looks like September is going to be a go um, so far and uh, keep our fingers
0: crossed. Yeah, absolutely. And again, well, I'm not trying to take anything away from any other advisor or firm or whatever, but you don't bribe them to come with a dinner. You just ask them to show up. You know- I I, I train other probably, advisors. Yeah, well, it's probably no, the wrong thing to say, but the, but
2: but no, so no. Let's let's touch on that r- briefly because I hear people joking sometimes about they go to all these dinner seminars and they eat, you know, four or five days a week if they want to. I suppose uh, you know the, these dinners at these nice restaurants, and then leave and and never you know entertain doing any business or anything like that. So I train other advisors across the country. I get flown around the country to train and to teach. So I, I teach some other advisors that happen to do the dinner seminar. And to me, that's an expensive thing to, wow, to think that, you know, you hope people come out. Well, you know, people are going to come out because you're feeding them, but you hope they come out and, and, and try to give you business. No, we don't do that at all. We only do educational seminars. We'll throw some snacks out there and some coffee and, and tea and things like that. But we're doing educational seminars. So I know that when people are coming out, they're coming out for information. And so at the end of the day, All our, our thing is we send people home with a pack of information and a sheet. If they want to fill out to take a, have a chance to meet with one of us for a free consultation, that's what we do at the end of the seminar. If not, we part ways and, you know, thank you very much. I've had people come to three or four seminars in a row. I've had people come to seminars 10 years ago that never did business and all of a sudden circle back around because something happened in their life that they now need advice on. So We're out there establishing ourselves as the educational firm, and it's paid off. With I I think the fastest growing, largest uh, independent firm in the state of Maine.
0: Well, and one of the things that you talk about, yes, you're educational, but when when you say it could be a couple, three, four years before someone kicks, you know, comes back because something that they heard at that seminar set with them. I mean, it stuck with them. So, I mean, you're obviously giving out pretty great information. It's it's. It's not just the information.
2: That's true, Steve. We're giving out great information. And then obviously, usually a trigger event, life event, they lose their job, get laid off, something like that. Somebody passes away. But it's also more, and I think more important, the information, it's how they felt when we were doing the presentation and how they felt when we finished our presentation. They didn't feel like they were being sold. They didn't feel like they were pressured into anything. That's never our approach. We've been doing seminars now 13 years this year. Hmm. So when they they left our seminar feeling like, wow, these guys weren't pressure. These guys were exactly what they promoted themselves as, the education uh, firm. So that's what circles some of these people back around. They know they're not not—they're not going to sit with a pitchman or a firm that's going to be pressuring them into something. It's not how we operate, and they'll never operate that way.
0: Sure. All right. Well, let's get to a couple of questions here while we still have some time. Um, we start with Christopher in Topsom. He writes uh, very simply, how does a Roth IRA grow over time?
2: Great question, Christopher. Um, assuming if you're asking about a Roth, you're probably younger, and uh, so and it's great for a younger person to look at Roth IRAs. A Roth IRA, you make a contribution with after tax money and it grows in whatever investment you choose, grows tax deferred and tax free so that when you get to retirement age, 59 and a half, is assuming you've had the Roth at least five years, you can pull all of that money out and not have any tax liability on any of the gains. And certainly not any tax liability on the amount you put in.
0: Nice. All right. So very simply, uh, it, it it's a good thing, basically, yep. right? Uh, Christopher, if you want to know more, 800-998-5649. Let's go to Max in Augusta. He says, when buying during dips in the market... Does it matter which type of funds to purchase? For example, should I buy stocks, just bonds, stocks and bonds, other types of funds? I'm 61 years old. I plan on working until 67. I have other resources in case of a market drop to help sustain losses.
2: Well, there's a lot there, Max. Thanks for writing in. So uh, when the market dips, it does matter which type of funds to purchase. Um, A lot of times, if you have a big dip, like what happened in in March, you're probably going to put more money into... Uh, a fund or uh, an investment that has a little bit more risk, anticipating a bounce. Uh, I've, I've talked to a lot of people that had 401ks during that time period, and I'm I'm telling them to ratchet up their contributions, not step it back, but but increase them because you're going to be buying more shares at a lesser lesser price. And then you look at what type of investments uh, versus uh, you know you're 61 now, you've got six years left to work, not a long time. So risk management should be considered and talked about when you're picking your funds. We do a tactical portfolio. We'd love to sit down and talk with you about that and figure out what best options might fit. And then maybe we can look at your 401k and uh, and look at some of the options in there and, and make some recommendations. Sure.
0: Max, it's 800-998-5649. Uh, let's uh, go to Jane in Hebron. Uh, she says, I want to switch and move money, move my money to a different financial advisor. I'm 52 years old, looking for someone that will provide advice on the distribution of my funds while still earning and creating income. Is this a difficult process? Uh, Kevin, let me just answer for her. Uh, Jane, it's super easy. Just call Kevin. Definitely
2: super easy unless, unless there's always an unless. Yeah, of course. Unless Jane's talking about a financial account or an investment account she has at a current employer. If she's Uh contributing to, she's only 52 years old. If she's got a current 401k or, or retirement plan at her job and she's 59 and a half years old, it is super easy. She's allowed to be able to move that out, continue contributing to her 401k, TSP or whatever that might be, 403b. And then uh, and then build that back up, and then we can look at rolling it over and doing something different. If she's got uh, accounts, Jane, if you've got accounts with another advisor that are non-current 401k type of accounts, it's super easy. We do transfer forms. We uh, somebody comes in and works with us. We do all that. And you don't even have to do that. You don't even have to call up your other advisor if you don't want to.
0: Nice. And then uh, so when we have well, she's 52. So she's kind of in that uh, that financial red zone. But even with a 401k, Kevin, you said before that, that you can look at a 401k and sort of guide people or give them some suggestions on how they can maximize the funds within it.
2: Yeah, so we do that a lot. So people come in and say, "All right, here's what I got in my 401k. Let's look at the options and and help them reallocate what is a, a fit for based on where they are with their life and where they are in their in their, you know, close enough to retirement or not and make adjustments accordingly. That's kind of the, some of the some of the additional service that we have that we help people. We manage some companies 401k's. So we, you know, we've got 30, 40 employees at a company. We'll sit down periodically with those people, employees, and sit down and help them reallocate and manage. Wow. So if you've got a 401k and you're not getting that, we'd love to have that conversation with you and, and see if we can give you some some direction and
0: what, advice. Where were you when I was working for a big company that they didn't give a rat's butt about me and my 401k? Yeah. <laughs>
2: You know, it's it, the problem, Steve. It's common even today that you have 1 800 advisor and your company yeah. is trying to do a good thing by uh, getting you access to a 401k. But at, at the end of the day, that's all they want to do give you access to a 401k, maybe do some match, but then your responsibility is on your own. Right. And, uh, and And hopefully you have some advice, but a lot of people just don't. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right. Well, if you're interested, uh, Jane, 800 5649 Let's see. we got time for another one. Let's go to Sebastian in Bangor. He says, with a $2.5 million portfolio, mostly in fixed income, is it necessary to have a $200,000 variable annuity? The fees are very high, and the sales pitch rationale uh, is that I have no pension otherwise. Is that true? Boy, um, <laughs> We don't have a lot of time, I, Kevin.
2: <laughs> I, I, all right. We don't have a lot of time. Thanks. I was trying to noodle in my head how to how to respond to that, Sebastian. So thanks for writing in. Obviously, no. The answer is no. Number one, you already know you have high fees and a variable annuity. And you already know. You, you wrote here, the sales pitch rationale is that you don't have a pension. Give me a break. You got $2.5 million. Congratulations, by the way. Um, we can c- help you create a income plan with your portfolio without having a variable annuity mixed in it. So- yeah, let's talk about the variable new. Let's get you out of it if you can get out of it. Um, And if, you know, if you're paying high fees, sometimes it's worth paying the penalty to get out of it Mm -hmm. just to get into
0: something that's got a a better, uh, help you better off and and a better position. Sure, absolutely. All right, well, Sebastian, there you go. 800-998-5649. Let's invite folks to give us a call. This will be the last time today, folks.
2: Sounds great, Steve. For the next 10 callers who will call in today,
0: And here we go. Yep, here it is, your last opportunity today to get on Kevin's calendar, sit down, and uh, begin to put that financial roadmap together. Take a lot of complexities and make it easier to understand. It's a chance for you to get that true, practical financial review 800-998-5649. You're going to get that comprehensive financial review that Kevin just described, plus all the extras that go along with it, the social security analysis, the portfolio MRI or the portfolio stress test, however you'd like to look at it. And then when you walk out the door, you are going to have that roadmap, that guide that can help get you to where you need to be and where you want to be when it comes to retirement. So, really, you've got nothing to lose. 800-998-5649. Again, 800-998-5649. As always, Kevin, uh, just one of my favorite hours of the week, just hanging out here with you because it's always it's always interesting, always insightful.
2: <laughs> I never know where I'm going to go with the conversation. Well, either. me neither. And that's the fun part of it. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Let's let's talk about whatever's coming up and uh, and whatever's going on. And anybody that calls, obviously, as I said, we're going to give a free book away. Um, whether you're young or old, doesn't matter. And also, we're going to return the call within an hour of the show ending. So if you get a call from an unknown number or or a number you don't recognize, pick it up. It's probably somebody here at Frisbee and Association. We can't wait to have that conversation.
0: All right. Thanks, folks, for listening. We do hope you found the information that we presented today helpful. And we will be back again next week. New topics, new questions, that and more right here on Financial Safari with Kevin Frisbee.